This is the Embark Minipod, brought to you by Embark Group, as we take a snapshot look at some of the finer topics from across the industry. Now today, we're going to be talking to Neil Smith, Key Account Manager at Embark Group, to discuss the findings from a recent survey with five advisors, which could be read in full via their website, discussing a really important area of pensions and its drawdown. What does it mean? How does it work? Concerns surrounding it. So, welcome, Neil. Can you just run us through how it works in brief terms? Yeah, OK. Well, well thank you very much, Roger, and, and thank you for entertaining me today. Um, I think the subject of drawdown is, is multifaceted um, and it's an individual view as well. You, you can't talk, you've got to t treat people as individuals when you're, you're looking at their retirement and, and their future. Um, what I'm really pleased to say, though, is, is we've got, um, we collected the experience of, of advisors in the industry and, and they very kindly agreed to share their insights into drawdown so what i'm saying by that they provided us with with tips pieces of advice real life suggestions about how they deal with their clients and, and if you're thinking well warren bark talking about pensions and drawdown well we pride ourselves on the breadth of our, our propositions both on and off platform and they're very pension orientated and also i think roger just coming back to your question when it comes to financial planning pensions are one of the most important and very likely one of the most discussed tax wrappers if you think after the home perhaps your pension is your largest asset in some cases it may actually be your largest asset so so hopefully people listening to this podcast will have different views and, and different experiences in financial services but some of what we say i really hope will resonate with them and some will also reinforce what they're already doing perhaps with their clients but i think it's vital that we got the views of people at the coalface so to speak well um, indeed i mean that's that's really what i want to drill into mm. the kind of the survey because it is fascinating the results you've come up with and a really good uh, way of taking the temperature really of what's going on so let's dig into that a bit and talk about first of all the attitude to risk because we're talking about extracting money essentially so risk is clearly important in that what came out of this in terms of attitude to risk um yeah well it, it the, the viewpoint was from from our advisor cohort that the risk profile tends to come down as attitudes change and as you move into the retirement journey you become more cautious once you're no longer earning there's less time to to ride out volatility so all of the advisors we spoke to mentioned how cash flow forecasts and modeling tools really help them explain that and i think also if, if it's worth considering the the average age of, of a person you know that's retiring it could be from 55 up to you know, 75 if you like if not later but it's it's the change in attitudes and the change in, in views because in accumulation it's a different journey in decumulation there's there's potentially more risk so it's very very crucial to make people aware or clients aware i should say of volatility in their retirement and the risks attached to that yeah, and I guess obviously life expectancy is something we have to think about as well. And that has changed, of course. We, we do generally, uh, most of us, the lucky ones at least, we live longer. And that has a big impact too. Uh, indeed, yeah. I mean, if you look at longevity statistics, you know, clients may find they're actually in decumulation or in the retirement journey longer than they were saving up for it or in the accumulation part, particularly if they started their retirement saver, savings later in life. Um, so I, I think that's, that's the, the, the crucial point if you like. And if you look at the longevity stats, our chums at the Office of National Statistics will tell us that despite the blip for, for COVID-related incidences, you're going to see that the life expectancy at birth for UK males is going to rise and the same for, for females as well. So we are going to be living longer. 
Okay, well, let's let's drill down into some of what the advisors have been have been telling you. And obviously, it's a com complex area. It's a difficult area in many ways. Give us a sense of what are the kind of complexities they talk about. I mean, I suppose specifically FCA scrutiny over outcomes. Well, we indeed, yeah, we um, you you may be disappointed or thrilled, depending on your point of view, that we didn't talk too much about the regulatory journey. It was more about how it's all focused on the client. So if, if you'll indulge me, what I'll try and do is I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that. But yeah, we'll come back to regulatory impacts as well, if you like. I mean, the biggest regulatory impact, if you like, is is what could a future government do going forward? Um, if you were setting running an annuity company back in 2014, 2015, um, pension freedoms would have really thrown rather a large spanner into your works, so to speak. So potentially there could be similar incidences of this. And anecdotally, what you tend to find is is some clients i'm led to believe by by advisors they tend to procrastinate around their retirement options because they might think something different or something better could be just around the corner so they don't want to jump now they want to keep their options open as it were and, and that might take you into you know views of whether annuities are right or whether you want a temporary annuity as opposed to actually jumping in and going all, all out for for pension drawdown yeah, I mean, what you're alluding to there, I guess, is uncertainty, which is a big factor in all this. We've already mentioned, of course, uh, longer lifespans. But, I mean, this has been a challenging investing climate generally, a lot of volatility. I mean, presumably that pays into the kind of issues as far as drawdown is concerned. Well, yeah, indeed. And, and how you tackle volatility differs from person to person. There's certain things we can't control. We can't control inflation. We can't control interest rates. But advisors tell me they can control the level of risk their clients are exposed to. So and that would be through their choice of investment. So um, we're going to talk about multi-asset funds to a degree. And a lot of multi-asset funds are volatility managed. And by that, that shield, they shield clients from, from the big swings in the market. Ideally, you're getting growth, but also protecting the need to draw on future income. Yeah, I mean, we, we are going to come on to multi-asset in a moment, but but just talking about that and, and the sort of assurance that they can give to, to clients in this sort of area, did you, I mean, was there a sense that they have confidence in, in that process or, or not really? What are the advisors telling you? Well, this, it, this, it was, it was, it was um, a double-edged sword, if you like, and, and I was really pleased to see that the advisors didn't just talk about the nasty stuff that could happen. Because as you as you mentioned quite quite rightly, you know, we're living longer. Um, what the what they really wanted to talk to their clients about was expectations of what retirement may look like for that person, what plans that person has in mind, big, small, um, both for themselves and of course their nearest and dearest. And also it, it, and to ascertain exactly why the client was retiring, because drivers for retirement can be varied. In in some cases, unfortunately, it's it's not through personal choice. It could be Ill health, Ill health and, and so on. So so the idea was all, all these hopes, dreams and assumptions when melded together will, will help map out the stages of retirement and at which client the, the, you're going to need more or less money. The, the thought, I think, was was to create a framework for a sustainable drawdown plan because it's it's not so much the fear of dying, it's the, the fear of running out of money that drives a lot of these conversations. Yes, sustainability, I guess, is absolutely a word that comes up in the in the conversations a lot. Oh, yeah, indeed. And, and I'm, I'm going to throw a, 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 you know, I'm going to throw you a curveball now because we talked about longevity. But quite often, I don't think we as an industry, and this came out in our advisor conversations as well, we don't talk about morbidity. OK, so a lot of what you, you could be saving for could actually be used up paying for care later on in life. So if, if you um, look to um, if you 
read research by the Institute and Faculty of Actuaries, and this is this is something that really stands out in my mind. There's something like nearly half a million people in the UK live in a care home, and around half of those currently fund themselves. Now we know legislation is changing, and we're all paying increased national insurance to, to help fund that going forward. But what the Institute and Faculty of Actuaries will tell you: one in four men and one in three women aged 65 or over will have eligible care at some point in their lives. So a quarter of your male clients and a third of your female clients may have to pay towards their own care at some point, because although there's going to be a care cap cost, um, not everything will be covered and there still be a need to perhaps leave some back to pay for eligible care at some point. Yeah, I mean, that really is a key thing, isn't it? And actually, it's it's come much more into the national conversation, let alone conversations involving advisors in recent times. But let's let's talk a little bit, Neil, about that conversation, because the initial conversation with a client who's considering going into drawdown is is a rather important moment. I mean, in the end, advisors advise, but of course, the the investor decides. So just walk us around that a bit. Yeah, well, I, I, th I think if you just use two words, I'd say trust and reassurance. And all of the advisors, although they approached it in slightly different ways, they were very strong on the theme that they need to engender trust with their clients. They need to offer reassurance and manage expectations. Um, one, one particular quote, I, I think, I, if I remember it correctly, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but one of the advisors said, you know, I asked my clients, what would offer you reassurance and what can I do to help build that into your long term plan? Because after all, their, their job is to help try and help make the client's money last. And they do that by sort of uh, widening out the conversation. They look at you know, demonstrating times in history when, you know, a sustainable income may not have been possible. So they might model the 2008 crash, for example, not as a way to frighten people, but just really to, to give them an insight as to this is what the retirement journey could look like going forward. And I guess, you know, we talk about a conversation, but of course, there'll be multiple conversations and perhaps over a, a, a time period during which they'll have to reinforce all this. Oh, yeah, indeed. It's um, it, it, it's very pertinent. You know, each each advisor firm or each advisor and anybody listening to this will have their own views about what, what's important. But what we tend to find is, is because of the nature of drawdown, the advisors offered more reviews than they would have standard. So, so for example, and, and again, I'm, I'm talking generally here, you know, in, in an accumulation journey, you might have an annual review or maybe a six monthly review. But six monthly was seen to be the the longest possible time to let things go or between reviews I should say let things go is a terrible turn of phrase but a six monthly review was seen as as crucial for someone to moving into drawdown and let's face it quite often a lot of these clients may never have had the opportunity to um, dip their toes in the markets and it's only through a, a large pension plan that they've actually been given the tools to see what the markets are all about. So there's there's quite a lot of, um, it's a bit like a, a first time flyer. There could be a bit of nervousness there and clients will quite rightly need more touch points and more reassurance, particularly in those early early stages of retirement. Yeah, absolutely. Being being reassured again comes back into that. But let's, let's now, Neil, touch on what you were talking about a little bit earlier, touching on, which is multi-asset and how that plays in, into drawdown. Just, just tell us how that works. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like any 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 portfolio or multi-asset just happens to be one particular tool uh, at people's um, or, or advisors' um, disposal, if, if you like. But I think if you're talking about multi-asset, you, you could argue that it might have a certain sort of best of breed approach. But but I think multi-asset helps uh, leverage 
cost effectiveness. Um, if, if you're a, a chartered financial analyst and you want to pick your own stocks, that's great. And why wouldn't you want to do that? Or if a multi-asset, that, that takes the the perhaps the, the strain off the advisor. That gives them more time to talk to their clients and offer that reassurance and, and goal planning and so on. And let the fund managers do the heavy lifting here to make sure that that income is going to be sustainable going forwards. Yeah, because, I mean, there is a more security, obviously, in, in multi-asset, potentially, at least, and, and, and a sense that, that that's an area that, that can give more reassurance. Um, well, yes. And, and I think if you want to layer on the, the reassurance element, every one of the advisors spoke to used um, outsourced third party systems to determine clients' risk profiles against which they then map a panel of, of portfolios or funds. And those it could be DFM, platform based solutions or multi asset, multi manager funds, as, as we're talking about now. But what was really important was the availability of choice. So if you're a client, for example, is, is a two out of five on the riskometer. Um, it's crucial to have several different options available available for them at that risk level. Multi-asset could be a key part of that. But having to change or, or look at a client's risk profile simply to be to access better investment choice was something that simply couldn't be countenanced by our, our advisors. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. You, you touch on that about the ways that you, you reach a profile picture. And we've touched on this in, in, in Embark Pods before. It is a crucial part of the tools uh, that the advisors now use in this sort of area, isn't it? Yeah, indeed, and it, it can um, it can prove or disprove where you want to go. Perhaps it's um, and it, it all leads into as well. If, if you're looking at certain investment solutions, it leads back to um, client segmentation. So we we tend to the advisors we spoke to, and they they talked about their clients that perhaps had sort of more basic needs, if you like. Although I'd say anyone going into a, a drawdown adventure, um, their needs aren't going to be basic because there's so much that can happen. But low-cost, multi-asset and passive works perfectly well for that segment of clients. And, and one advisor said, you know, this, this, if the clients don't need bells and whistles or anything more complicated, why would you want to layer in extra costs that don't return the value? Yeah, it's, I just love the way you put the word adventure in there uh, uh, in terms of that, because some people, would, both advisors and, and invest, I guess, will see it in those terms with risks accordingly. So, you know, it comes back to that line, doesn't it? The conversation, the reassurance, uh, the proper profiling. These are all the major things in dealing with what could be an adventure. Yeah, indeed. I've got a terrible analogy, and it's particularly poorly timed when you consider what's happening in, in the, the world of uh, airlines and, and airports at the moment. But it's because the retirement journey, if you like, it's like seeing a load of people at, at um, a terminal at Heathrow or any any international airport you can think of. People are going to go on different length journeys. And they're going to some people may need to change planes halfway through to get to their their end destination. And one thing, you know, that could be changing from drawdown to an annuity profile, for example. Um, but the emphasis is on the, the, the providers and the fund managers to offer um, you know, a, a comfortable journey, a ticket price that's worth paying in the eyes of, of the client and the advisor. And let's just hope the flight doesn't get cancelled. Neil, thank you very much <laughs> indeed. indeed for that. Uh, that is it from this 11th episode of the Embark pod. My grateful thanks to Neil Smith, key account manager at Embark Group, for a fascinating discussion touching on uh, airline flights, apart from anything else, but a really interesting look into the issue of drawdown and how it's handled. I'm going to be back with more episodes. I'm Roger Hearing. For now, thanks for listening and goodbye. Thank you.